Welcome to the One Up Revenue Podcast, podcast for cross-functional sales team, whether you're in sales, marketing, or customer success. This one goes out to all the hustlers on the phones each and every day, slugging it out. Whether you're adding net new logos, expanding revenue from your sold base, or renew existing accounts, we're here for one thing and one thing only, to drive revenue. One up! I'm your host, Jackson Lil, a top funnel sales dev strategist and an everyday frontline practitioner. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the One Up Revenue podcast. I have a true and exciting guest for us today, a true marketing leader who has over 20 years of experience coming on to chat and share some insights in terms of AI and AI trends. This person is someone I've been fortunate to work side by side to as well. Uh, he has over he had experience in terms of marketing as VP and marketing business development at a company like Logitech. He was the SVP and CEO of marketing at Sorenso, Sorenson Media. He was the CMO and VP marketing sales at Nimbo, CMO at Pipeline CRM, CMO at KiteDesk, and now the CMO at one of the world's best lead gen service as a company, Science. Yes, Science. Eric Kornstrom, welcome to the One of Revenue Podcast. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Jax. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. No, no. Thank you for coming on. This is uh, super exciting. We're just chatting in the back room. Um, approximately a year ago, you you asked me to come on your podcast, by the way, which is someone should listen to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast. And it uh, looks like the table has turned, hasn't it, Eric? It sure has. And, you know, life moves fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you just might miss it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh Eric, welcome to the pod. Uh, would you mind just giving us just a brief introduction about who you are and what do you currently do? Yeah. So um, as you just kind of read off, I've been, I guess, five or six time uh, marketing leader, CMO, <clears throat> currently the CMO and have been for the last uh, half a decade plus here at Science. And what we do, and that's Science Without an S, an intentional misspelling on the term, we are a lead generation software and services company that build pipeline for our clients. And you can think of, you know, our, our clients as being super diverse. Um, two guys, startup founders in a garage, all the way up to uh, the Amazon, <clears throat> Salesforce, Google, Microsoft's of the world, and pretty much everyone in between. So it's, it's a really fun kind of like spin on sales development. And we get a lot of joy and, and frankly, a lot of revenue out of helping other clients grow their business. So it's it's a pretty cool um, virtuous cycle. Interesting. Just like that Amazon story, it kind of pretty much started someone in the background in the garage, came with an idea, and uh, here we are, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. Science was founded back in 2015. I joined um, what was still a very nascent company in 2017. And, you know, we've we've kind of worked our way towards a number of third party accolades, like fastest growing privately company, privately held companies in America, landed on that Inc. 5000 list four times in a row. And a lot of our, our own success, again, comes back to a very simple concept, which is if we can grow the business of our client companies, then we win, too. And we do that through all outbound, all the time, 
all of the campaigns and ideas and tactics and, and strategies that you can think of. Maybe some of you can't. <laughs> and and <laughs> what's new about science lately is we're using all of our own platform, all of our own tech stack to do it, including um, kind of a full tech stack built on top of GPT-4 and our AI you know, modules, as we call them. So and we have a platform, it's called the Go platform, and it's got a variety of components, everything from data to advertising to de-anonymization of web traffic to a scheduling tool, chat client, um, a sales enablement or a sales engagement client, dialer, and a suite of AI tools that help us with messaging, with understanding clients' businesses better, and ultimately tracking and, and managing analytics for every campaign that we run. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds as if it sounds like the Go platform itself has grown evolving to a whole suite of a one-stop shop. It has. Say. For instance, like a new founder coming up, maybe they want to just, they don't want to just take all these kind of demos. They can just come, hey, here you go, out of the box. Over here. That's exactly it. In fact, we scratched our own itch in building out the platform to a place where you know you can use our services on top, our people, if you will, on top of the Go platform, or you can license it yourself and, and go nuts. And really, wow. that's been the vision for for a while now. Where you know by combining everything that you would need to run effective pipeline building, demand and lead generation activities all in one, that's what we offer. Interesting. Okay, um, let's talk, let's chat. Uh, GPT-4 for a bit. There's a lot sure. of generative AI. Uh, you know, there's other companies that's been doing it for years. Now that generative AI has pretty much became available to the public, it seems as if almost every other sales engagement platform out there are implementing it. Yeah. Uh, how are you guys doing that over there at Science? So I'll, I'll focus on two components in particular that I think are worth kind of knowing about. The first of which is what we call Go Expert AI. And what that enables us to do as an organization is we work with, as I mentioned in the outset, a pretty wide variety of clients. In last time we did an audit, over 250 different B2B industries. So a really wide swath of, of <clears throat> different types of industries, different types of like how they do business, what their sales cycles look like, and obviously a, a, a whole host of different ideal customer profiles or ICPs as we short shorthand and use the acronym to talk about. <clears throat> Learning about each one of these discrete businesses that the clients already know, know well, you know, have built their business to some point um, and are ready for additional sales leads or sales pipeline. We use GoExpert AI to, it's a large language model, and we are able to train um, the model on that client's business. So we go out and we find any publicly available information, their website. We have ways of essentially uh, feeding additional information into the LLM, which gives us a really shortened learning curve. Because in every outbound campaign that we run on behalf of clients, we represent as them. So you know when we're running campaigns for Amazon, there's no science and no one understands like who who we are. There's just you know, I'm calling on behalf of amazon.com. <laughs> and, yeah. and ultimately, um, that's true of every one of our clients, regardless of what their brand happens to be. And so for us, the ability to plug GoExpert AI in with our 
really our, our um, customer success team and have both them and the SDRs that work on an account learning the business, learning about, you know, kind of like, hey, what would make a marketing leader take a meeting in this particular industry for this particular product in this comp particular competitive dynamic? We can learn a lot of those strategies and tactics and feed those to the eye and, and really have them help shape um, our thinking along these lines. Oh, interesting. Okay. <clears throat> so we were to back off a little bit, right? Uh, a company comes on, we bring them on board. Maybe they sell to very technical sellers, engineers yep. and things like that. That's right. Uh, a few problems outside of the world is the ramps to ramp up and truly understand exactly what they do and speak specific terminology so that the buyer, potential buyer can understand. Instead, now with Go Expert AI, we can just feed it in the LMMS where it just pulls out specific things that we're looking for to help ramp. This is who they are. This is what they do in simple terms. And then we all also craft, hey, here's like a kickoff playbook for you to start and you know, try on. Absolutely. We're building out a sales playbook that we're going to execute on and, and run campaigns for every one of our clients when our services you know, piece of the business is involved. And so along those lines, you really need to understand what are the differentiators? What is the competitive, you know, again, landscape look like? How should we feature or defeature um, or build messaging around some of the key talk tracks that will get us to appointments, that will get us into the slipstream of people saying yes, right? Like any yeah. prospect is yeah. <laughs> busy, bombarded, and bewildered all day in their inbox, on their phone, on their LinkedIn. And we want to break through that noise and ultimately help our clients win. And so we lean in, we lean hard into AI to help us get that strategic foundation and really understand how to communicate their brand and their value propositions effectively to the people that we're opening conversations around. In fact, that's our tagline and has been for years. Sales conversations start here. And we mean it, right? Like that's what we have to understand in order to be successful in our job of starting sales conversations, which then leads me to kind of like component piece number two, and, and we're super excited about this. We call this Go Campaign AI. So it's part of the Go Ooh. platform. And what it does is basically you start with our Go data piece, you build a list or you know an, an audience really of contacts that you would wanna reach out to that fit your ICP. And you can do this in a variety of ways. They can be, um, just a list that conforms to the ICP. They can be intent data contacts that we are kind of like watching across the web. And I can go into greater detail about what that might mean. Or they can be inbound visitors to your website that we've identified and now have an ability to run outbound campaigns back to them because we know who they are and they happen to match your, your ICP. At any rate, once you have the data piece squared away and that list that's built, we then move that into Go Campaign AI. And what that enables us to do is basically take all the data that we might have on someone like Jax, Lou, and ultimately use AI to personalize and write messaging based on prompts that we feed it into a full campaign. And so ultimately, you know, the, the feature in our <coughs> tool is called Generate Campaign. And we can generate as long or as short of a campaign as you would want and personalize every message on LinkedIn, on email, on SMS to, and even customized phone scripts 
but the tool will literally go in and match all the prompts, all the information, all the LLM data that we've fed it, and ultimately come up with um, campaigns in a box, if you will. Damn. Whoa, 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 hold on. It personalizes two as well? Yep. Oh, wow, okay. It it literally is, and, and this is gonna sound kind of like a lot of hyperbole, but you know, I've been with science again, as I mentioned for <clears throat> now over six years, and this is a time where I feel like we've we've kind of hit the holy grail. And the holy grail is personalization at scale. The ability to really have a fine grain differentiated, super segmented and highly personalized approach to every contact that we would reach out to on every brand that we work for every time. Nice. Eric, quick question here. Um, let me let me throw a curveball at you if that's okay. I'm not sure if you sure. like baseball or not. Oh yeah. So played all through college. So <laughs> I was what the is- one throwing curveballs though, snap snapping it off, you know. Oh, were you? <laughs> I was. So um I'll step into the box. Based on this and how a lot of other companies are leveraging this type of approach, what's the possibility of making it? What's the possibility of it? Let me try to collect my thoughts on this. What's the possibility of this kind of approach with this same messaging that's so relevant that becomes saturated? Well, I think of it slightly from an, so I'll throw a curveball right back at you. Okay, I'll take <laughs> as a as a multi-time CMO, someone who's held you know seven-figure budgets routinely, I've been a target. I've been on the buy side for quite a long time. You know, like sure enough, I'm part of a lot of different uh, target lists, and I'm in the ICP of of a lot of folks. Um, just look at my own inbox and and <laughs> know exactly what I'm talking about. I get prospected all the time. Yeah. The vast majority, still to this day, and we're recording this in, in August of 2023, of outreach that I get is super undifferentiated, super, you know, kind of wrote almost by the numbers, just for like a better way of putting a label on it. It's garbage. It's not personalized to me. It doesn't take into account like my role, my objectives, my KPIs, yeah. why or where the brand that's reaching out to me would fit into my world. And for that reason, a lot of that cold outreach that I get is super irrelevant, super delete, 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 largely because nobody's taking the time and figuring out how to raise the bar, how to tune a message. You know, the the beauty of outbound is that it is one-to-one outreach. It's not a mass blast. It's not like I'm I'm a marketer, so I'm going to indict my own people. But it's not a newsletter going out to 60,000 people that's the same from person one to person 59,599. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the beauty of doing outbound is one, one to one to one to one. And yet so many people still don't get this basic fact right and haven't for a long time. Yeah. No, 100%. You know, I'm curious. Uh, do you think this, and this is probably going more for the reps too, do you think this can somehow for the future upcoming reps that they never learning, learn how to truly prospect, learning the framework, how to uh, hold a conversation properly, but instead it just started with AI. You think this can be like a future crutch in the future maybe? I think it's a danger, but I actually see the opposite happening. I mean, there's so much, again, garbage and bad practice out there that I don't know that we can, you know, hit bottom 
more than we already have. <laughs> That's fair. Again, any kind of buy cycle to me is a change management exercise, right? So if you really think about it, like no change, no sale. So how do you start the change management process going for any executive that you would deem to be a buyer of your product, service, or solution? Well, you start with this idea of, of who would be ideal to buy your products. And, and most of the time, an ICP looks a lot like the people you've already sold to. And the same buyers or in people in the buying group, the same titles, the same personas that have come before, right? So like, why does a CISO buy your, you know, <laughs> cyber product or cyber software? Well, because other CISOs have found a lot of value in it. And, and ultimately, you know, the, <clears throat> the wheel spins on and on. But in understanding like that chief information security officer, or that CISO, and differentiating a message to him or anyone in, or her in their particular department, um, as you go up and down the org chart, is actually a super challenging messaging exercise. And I feel like junior SDRs that are fresh out of college and have never done a role of the people they were reaching out to, that's a huge challenge always. So yeah. why not use all of the unfair advantages, in other words, AI, like why not use AI to bridge that gap, to help you as a, an assistant or a mental prosthetic along the journey towards cobbling together messaging that that person might find more relevant. So it could be a crutch, but I, frankly, I, I'm looking forward to having a world filled with crutches because if we can all raise the bar around why me, why now, why care? which I think are the fundamental tenets of like evaluating any cold outreach on any channel. Um, if you can answer those questions authoritatively, innovatively, creatively, you know, and, and have your brand kind of like represented well, to me, that's the, the, the best case scenario for everybody involved. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Use a crutch, but use it to your best advantage, right? Sometimes that's right. It's, sometimes okay to be robotic, but you know, well, you know, we have an upside down industry, right? Like SDRs, it's rare to find SDRs that have a tremendous amount of seasoning, business experience, business acumen, folks that have been there, done that, in various roles, reaching out. In fact, just the opposite. I, I oftentimes say that the SDR role is so unfair because you have again, usually very young individuals reaching out to very senior titles um, and ultimately with messaging that they get handed off from marketing or that they don't really understand themselves or that they came up with and it just isn't that effective at, you know, why why me, why now, why care? Yep. Answering those types of questions. Yep. So again, I I, I just view it as like, AI is going to help us all improve the craft because the winners will be leveraging it across the board, whether they're going to use tools like ours and what we've built or others that are out in the market. To me, it, it feels like a, an absolute no-brainer <laughs> not no. to be well, using these tools. 100%. Rep, new reps come on. It's really hard. It's harder than expected to just fully get everything up. They expect it to ramp within 90 days, but you get all this stuff thrown at you. And tell you go get it. Um, <clears throat> quick question. So before before we shift the topic back to marketing real quick, yeah. Uh, based on what we just talked about right now, how about on the code calling aspect? Any term thing with AI? Because if you can generate all this, 
super effective, personalized and emails that resonates, but then you call them, you catch them on a phone and you can't pitch them correctly. You know, would it be a gap there too as well? Or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I love using AI to evaluate phone scripts to help, again, raise the bar for a level of understanding. Now, I'm also a huge believer. Let me get this disclaimer out of the way. I'm also a huge believer that a sales cycle is exactly that, a cycle. And one of the things that I've seen in, in both our business and just kind of like the SDR culture at large is too much too soon. So, you know, I <laughs> I think one of the, the, the least <laughs> talked about trend lines in our like business nowadays is the consensus purchase, right? Like I have yet to see a study, a report, Gartner, Sirius, Forrester, nobody has told me that there's fewer people in the buying committee now than before. Can we agree that that's kind of like an un or irreversible trend and that most companies, when they're buying anything, software for their business, services, hiring agencies, you know, figuring out solutions, what cloud do I want to, you know, host my, my tech stack in, whatever. This is not the land of one person off in a corner making a, a multi, you know, thousand or hundreds of thousands or even million dollar decision for a buy cycle by themselves. That's true. Right? It's a highly consider, considered consensus purchase. All the literature says that. And so if you think about a sales cycle, it's going to involve a lot of people in general, right? Yep. I'm, and by the way, I'm, I'm talking about exclusively now B2B for the most part. And I'm kind of going to leave out like product-led growth market strategies. So ultimately, when you're selling a consultative, non-transactional product or service, the idea is that you've got a lot of people where the, the buy cycle can emerge from anyone in the buying group. And then the buying group usually even has roles. You know, They, they have users or product champions or um, check signers, gatekeepers, um, you name it. Like the, the buying group role definition is actually usually not that well articulated unless you're in the biggest of companies. And so ultimately you're playing into this idea that a sales cycle exists so that person on the, on the buy side can become attracted to whatever it is you're selling and go through a process, go through a cycle, you know, and then play their role and hopefully introduce again, the product or service back into their organization. So where that conversation begins almost by default has to be with that person's interest in mind because nobody does anything without a kind of a selfish reason. Oh, interesting. Can you give us a quick example of that's all right? Um, yeah, sure. I'll use like science you. as an example. Yeah. So if I think about our leading personas, um, they would include the head of sales, oftentimes, you know, chief revenue officer on down, right? SVP of sales in larger companies, director of sales. Yeah. Sales will oftentimes have their like um, department. Anyone with a sales ops title would be potentially included. Uh, sales enablement is oftentimes like part of the journey. Same is true of marketing. And oftentimes we'll have sales and marketing personas in the same sales cycle. For smaller companies, we'll even have business owners. So owner, founder, uh, CEO, GM, if you will, yeah, that are also key personas for us. By the way, all of those folks see the world differently 
but they're all attracted for different reasons to the idea of, I need more leads. I need more pipeline. I want to grow with net new sales. And that's what attracts them to science. And then ultimately, they're all investigating our service or our software with their own kind of like lens, if you will. So a marketer might say, hey, Eric, what is the Go platform? How does that help me with demand generation? And then we have that part of the sales cycle where we can walk through, you know, all the aspects of demand gen, creating demand, if you will, for a product or service at that company um, within the Go platform. Whereas the sales leader might be more focused on, hey, you know what? I, I really needed bats for my sales team. You know, we're, we're hitting a tough quarter and I've got a huge quota to meet. And ultimately what I need is just more meetings, more feeding of the, you know, revenue to, to my team. Regardless of the reason that um, people are attracted to and want to have conversations with science, it's usually different. And it's usually like a seed kernel that we can include in any of our messaging going forward around different aspects of the sales development, you know, kind of like piece of the puzzle to get them into our sales cycle, knowing full well that, again, no one's going to buy on day one. No one's just going to say, oh, my God, science, where have you been all my life? cut us a check for, you know, oftentimes um, <clears throat> five or six figures to begin work on their behalf. No, they evaluate. They're smart. They're wise buyers. And they want to kick all of our tires in a lot of different ways. And so we take that into account and we work it into, again, a cycle or a sequence of events that gives them the capability of saying making a wise buying decision. And I think that that aspect or that philosophy, when it kind of comes up front with everyone playing their roles effectively. What I was trying to say at the outset of this question, sorry for the long-winded diatribe, but no, you're good. Too much too soon can ruin all of that. You know, like if I start talking price and spitting out price before I've established value, I'm going to hate, I'm going to kill every deal in dead in its tracks. Cause you won't have the yeah. capability or the context or the understanding of, well, why does it cost that? You know what I mean? You'll just be looking yeah. at price as a, as a number on a sheet of paper. Oh. So, so ultimately, I, I like the idea of SDRs becoming just dangerous enough in the problem space, in understanding the lives of the people that they're calling into, but not necessarily like the full A to Z of everything that'll take place in the rest of the sales cycle. Because that has to happen usually with trained experts who perform their roles. I'm talking here about account executives, sales engineers, folks that come on to calls that provide value in the role, playing it well. <laughs> Mr. Quantro, <clears throat> no, this, uh, that was music to my ears. Uh, reminds me of the enterprise company I used to work at called Burke Street because at the end of the day, they're still purchasing X, but what it means to them, it's different. So it's uh, important that you got to take them down their own sales cycle that ultimately ends at the end. So one curves up, one curves down, one curves to the side, but ultimately they all meet at the same thing. It's like, hey, but it's different messaging and you know what it means to them, right? I mean, yeah. I, I've always thought this way, Largely because I think that when you we, you abstract marketing out, marketing is performing that awareness function. It's performing that kind of attraction function or demand creation function in a company to where you create the conditions where a sale could occur. 
you create the attraction to to pull people in, and that's oftentimes why they call it inbound um, as opposed to outbound. But you're you're creating you know a desire within a population of people that could likely buy your product. And you know we have well worn history, and we we've done a pretty darn good job of this at Science of getting people to come to our website, raise their hands, and say, "Hey, I want to talk to sales." and find out more about what you guys are up to. Yeah, no, <clears throat> Eric, uh, let's jump straight to it. Um, marketing. So from from my understanding, it's it's all pipeline, right? Inbound, whether it's through paid, organic, uh, paid search, social, paid reviews, whatever. Um, would you mind sharing us and uh, our listeners exactly what marketing is and what do they do from what we see is, hey, they get a budget and then is what they do with a budget to go out create some sort of awareness to drive them in, in a nutshell. Yeah. I like the simple definition of marketing creates the conditions in which a sale can occur. So classically trained marketers like to think in terms of the four P's, right? Like product price, promotion, <clears throat> place, newfangled marketing, you know, people that use the word growth in, in terms of like how they um, run marketing experiments or campaigns are still practicing the art of attracting folks from being you know, raising awareness that a certain brand exists in a certain category to solve a certain problem. And so what you're ultimately looking to do is, you know, create content, create brand affinity, create some sort of reason for people to get involved with you. I mean, in a large part, it's like simple matchmaking. <laughs> content, brand affinity. Gotcha. And Eric, I'm curious too, would you mind sharing an example of a campaign idea? I just want to get better saying like, how does marketing really work on their end? Um, let's say we have, we take an ABM approach, right? Sure. All right. There's 10 accounts we want to target at, you know, it, in the perfect world, what, what would be the strategy there? What does that, the buying journey looks like in terms of the customer's side? Yeah. So again, a lot of the concepts that we're talking about here are reusable or component pieces that we could plug in. Um, First and foremost, in any ABM campaign that you should be thinking about is awareness, right? Because if somebody is not aware of your brand, then they won't ever develop affinity for it. <laughs> You'll just be a stranger, someone unfamiliar, um, white noise, if you will. So mm -hmm. one of the best ways to think about this and, and all of the leading ABM tools kind of start here is with an advertising play. How do I get my brand in front of this key audience or this key demographic, this key segment. In ABM, it's just these people at these companies, put simply. So it starts with advertising. And ideally, you're creating, you know, kind of like ad opportunities. I don't like to limit um, number of exposures, channel the exposures occur upon, um, types of exposure, right? So mixing media is oftentimes a really key idea behind any ABM campaign. And then I think ABM campaigns also hold the key for exposing people to education, ways to learn more about a problem space. Put very simply, getting in front of people with shit they care about rather than stuff we care about as a vendor. So content can play a role in ABM campaigns um, all the time. You know, and you can put content out in the lead, whether it's a a guide, an ebook, a download, you know, something to get people's eyes or focus around um, oftentimes becomes the centerpiece of both advertising 
in an ABM world or a natural attractant, if you will, or the ability to go and run ABM campaigns outbound or account-based sales development, as a lot of people would call it, where I can share that content or share a perspective with a given organization. Some of the, the more evolved um, of these campaigns that I've run or that I've yeah. seen involve oftentimes third parties like analyst groups or surveys or studies or different insights that would benefit the people that you know ultimately raise their hand and say, I would want to learn more about that. Because it would help me yes. selfishly in my job. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so we spoke about AI and we were about mocking. Uh, before, before we hit the exit door here together, uh, just to pick your brain, Eric. We hear it all the time, right? <clears throat> yep. Marketing versus sales. Marketing throws shits over the fence, tell sales go get it. And there's often there's some sort of gap. They're finger pointing. Hey, the lead, your lead sucks. No, your selling sucks. Um, what are a few things or a few possibilities that this can merge into one so that it keeps the buyer's journey in a parallel lane from the first time they receive some sort of awareness, whether it's clay as or picks, they signed up, they raised their hand, and that outbound motion comes in and continues down the journey from the first kind of information they receive. What, yep. what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I don't like the word versus um, when it exists in any organization, I think it's counterproductive and um, is the hallmark of political battles that are usually cost companies money. Simple as that. Um, mm. And I'm one of these marketers and have been virtually my whole career, rightly or wrongly, that believes that marketing serves sales. So yeah. I, I'm the first one to say, you know, to my CRO or VP of sales counterparts, like, look, you know, my efforts here, my team's efforts, this department exists largely to serve you, your organization. And in that same continuum that I talked about earlier. So I, I think the reason that I like that philosophy or that perspective so much is that it very much aligns all aspects of what it is we're trying to do here. Because one of the things that I've had happen at previous stops in my career that is a very underwhelming, hollow feeling it's almost like the sound of one hand clapping. Oh, right. There is no sound. <laughs> is when marketing blows out its its own KPIs, its numbers, when we're hitting our like goal, so to speak, whether that's around a MQL total, marketing qualified lead total, or something else, you know, traffic to website or other vanity metrics that might, might exist. If marketing's killing it, but sales isn't for whatever reason, there's no joy in Mudville. Right. Mighty Casey has struck out and everyone in the organization like usually feels that there's no like marketing partying when sales is, you know, at a wake. <laughs> yeah. But what's funny is the reverse is absolutely true. When sales is killing it, when they're outperforming, when the numbers are good. I don't want to say it doesn't matter what marketing is doing, but like there's usually just joy all around and the business is healthy and high fiving and everyone's like. <laughs> in great spirits because that's an organization that is performing really, really well. And so if you take kind of like those little anecdotes and hopefully I painted a little bit of a, a mental picture there, the idea is really around marketing, again, living in support of sales and servicing sales to that end, to that happy reality of everyone hitting the number, everyone achieving 
more and the, the corporation, the company growing as a result. Yeah, no, that, that was perfect. Thank you for sharing that. It's like sales, it's a car, it's driving. Let's go from point A to point B in the racetrack and marketing is adding fuel to that car so it gets there. Gas. Yeah, sure. That's a fine analogy. Perfect. I, I sometimes say this too. I mean, just for, for what it's worth, I actually think that it's harder to buy than to sell. You know, yeah. for all of the things that, that we were just talking about earlier, consensus purchase, the trend line of more buyers in the buying cycle, more information than we've ever had, you know, like <laughs> people know how to use not only AI tools like like ChatGPT, but they know how to use Google, right? And, and come yeah. up with information and kind of like develop a short list of, of stuff that they may want to buy. And they're drowning in that information, right? Like buying stuff corporately is really hard to get all your ducks in a row, to make things kind of like where you feel, where everyone on the buying team feels like, you know what? That was a really good decision. I'm, you know, like where everyone was aligned in pulling the trigger, spending the money and going in this direction. Because I've seen too often the other way where like <laughs> there's misalignment all over the place. No one teaches buying in, in buying school. In fact, I don't even know if buying school exists. Unless your title is procurement, like you've never gotten any training in buying anything for the most part. You learn by doing and you learn the, the hard knocks way of like real life trial and error of like, oh, there's the idiot that put in that CRM. Nice job, buddy. Like, you know what I mean? Like where all of a sudden, like the past purchases that we resent or that we have remorse around really start to haunt us professionally <laughs> and maybe even personally in some respects. No, no. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, this is quote unquote real life experience, right? Uh, there's a lot of reps out there. They can do all these podcasts. You can read all these books and they can think and do it. But without true real life experience, uh, it's a big differentiator. Some may That's win, right. fake it till you make it. But for the most part, I'll get you in. Um, Eric, before we go, majority of our listeners here are uh, entry-level reps and some A's. If there's anyone that's on this podcast that goes, you know what? I want to pivot into marketing. What kind of advice do you have for them? Figure out where you're strongest and play to those strengths. Marketing is super vast in terms of skill sets, jobs you can do, roles you can have. Um, and I think marketing leaders like myself can come up through the ranks if, if your goal is to climb the corporate hierarchy and you know become, say, a CMO one day. Uh, you can do it from a lot of different angles, right? Like you can do it from the analytics side of the house. You can do it from the creative side of the house or the brand side of the house or the demand gen or the growth side of the house. There's a million different avenues, but ultimately a lot of those are very different skill sets. You know, like I wouldn't dream of having our head designer start writing our press releases. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just not something that, that's going to happen anytime soon. And, and I love, you know, like our, our head of design, but, but that's just not, you know, where his um, particular skill set is, is relevant. Yeah. At any rate, for, for junior marketers out there that are thinking about the arc of a career, um, I'm a big fan of working your way through specializations to become a generalist as opposed to the other way around. Because I think that it's really tough to move in an organization if you don't excel 
if you don't like truly stand out and have something as your calling card, because the traditional, you know, organizations that I've been a part of, and I've watched this happen literally a million times over, when people excel at their job and it's obvious, um, they become intensely valuable to the organization. It's usually where raises or, you know, or compensation increases are born. And then oftentimes those are the first people that everyone looks to to promote. Yeah. Because they're competent, because they're, again, demonstrating excellence in their particular area. And so if I'm young and I'm thinking about this career path, I would want to put myself in a position to where I can kill it, where I'm going to leverage my strengths and I'm going to be better at whatever it is I'm going to do than not only all the other candidates that might apply for the role, but that where I'm going to get into that role and I'm really going to be, make a name for myself. Oh, yeah. Cast That's the most solid test. advice I can give. Woo! Eric Croncho, CMO of Science. What's the best way to reach out and say hello for those who are listening? <laughs> As if people need another avenue. Like, <laughs> so it turns out there's there's very few quantstrums in the world. Um, my name was Americanized through Ellis Island generations ago. So even though like my heritage is Swedish, the, there's no quantstrums in, in Sweden. Um, <laughs> so it turns out that if you just type in my, my last name into Google or LinkedIn, um, you're going to find me. Like I just kind of like, oh, damn. That's yeah. I'm not Mike Jones or Smith. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, uh, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again so much for coming on the One Up Revenue podcast to share your insights and strategies. Um, again, ironically, we did the opposite last year. So really appreciate you coming on. This was fun. I loved it. Thank you.